Welcome. Welcome to Real Estate Radio, where we discuss everything real estate related. Investors, first-time home buyers, experienced sellers tune in every week for industry-leading information and discussion on the largest source of wealth in the world. Real estate. Now, here are your hosts, Steve and Jonathan. Okay, welcome to Real Estate Radio. I'm here today with Jonathan. Hey, Jonathan. Hey, Steve. How's it going? And today we're lucky enough to be with Ariel as well. How are you, Ariel? I'm good, Steve. How are you doing? Good, good. Um, Ariel and I have been working together for a long time in real estate. She is a realtor, but now she's also a rehabber. She's done a couple flips uh, successfully. So I wanted to have you on after you've done that, which you have done twice now, three times? Twice, yeah. That's great. Um, and you're also in law school, but no legal advice. I think no, no. <laughs> <laughs> nothing I say is legal advice. <laughs> um, all right. So thanks for joining us. Let's jump right into it. So your first project wasn't too far from where we're sitting right now. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Um, yeah, that was about uh, two blocks away from here in Francisville when, uh, Francisville was still not a neighborhood people wanted to live in. Uh, it was a beautiful house. I rehabbed it completely all new. Mechanicals, everything was brand new. Um, the house sold really well too. I rented it for a year so the area could continue to appreciate. And then I sold it to a young couple who were really happy with it. Yeah, I can verify I was in the house before and after, and I think during too, you were building it. And uh, it was a crazy transformation. You did a great job with it. Thanks. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what made you see this house as having opportunity? I mean, what was the reason that you bought this place? I mean, you had to pull the trigger and put up a lot of money. Yeah, well, I was um, I was 25 at the time, and I, I just I saw the house. I just like fell in love. It was had like beautiful tall ceilings all throughout. Um, there was this beautiful like winding staircase that was authentic from the 1900s that like had just been preserved. Parts of it actually like when it got up to the third floor, I had to completely rebuild it because it was not structurally sound. But other than that, like the first and second floor, it was this beautiful winding staircase. It looked like it go up to a tower. It wasn't like one of the Trinity stairs where you don't have enough room to walk. It was just, it was wide, it was big, it was, um, I had it done with um, uh, handmade wrought iron spindles. It was just really, it turned out really nicely. And those, those two things, the high ceilings and just like the authenticity of when it was built being uh, preserved was really what made me fall in love with the property. And I could just see, you know, where it was gonna go. I just walked in and I, I saw how I was gonna lay it out. And then was that just priced really well, where you knew you could get in there at a good price and you know put in the put in the work, the money, to then sell it at a higher price? Or what was that? What was your initial goal? Well, it was actually like a risk. So what I like to do when I um, purchase property is I like to look at where the neighborhood's going overall, and I like to try to buy property before anyone really wants to live in that area. Um, so I was just right. I just guessed that Francisville would be a great area, and it was right before the actually became a great area so it's kind of in the path of progress you'd say where, it was yeah, yeah where you know you was going in that direction yeah, yeah you just look at like where center city is where public transportation is the major commercial corridors and just try to piece together like what type of industry is coming to that area and what type of people would want to live there and then you kind of just figure out what area is going to be good so yeah and i'm sure your um experience as a realtor was helpful i mean you kind of knew what buyers were looking for and that kind of thing yeah that was helpful even though I, I tend to work with investor clients more so than regular homeowners. Maybe, maybe you saw what they were looking for in investments and stuff like that. Yeah. 
Um, how did you, did you project costs at all? Like when you went into this, did you have any idea what you would spend and were you close or did no, you No, I was like, I went in really, I was over my head when I yeah. got you in. Brand, you had never done it before. I had never done it. I was 25. You it was didn't the have first, partners. Like you did it all on your own. It was the first house I've ever bought. I was still renting my apartment at the time and I just like, wow. um, yeah, I really was kind of in over my head. Everyone told me I couldn't do it. I couldn't pull it off, but. I did. It took a lot of work, and I didn't do a great job projecting numbers. It didn't help that I hired a bad contractor, and you know, of course, I projected numbers based on like what I thought I knew, which wasn't very much, and it ended up way over. But the area appreciated so much, and the house turned out so beautifully that it didn't matter. I still turned a fantastic profit on it. Not as much as it could have been had yeah. I been a little more experienced, but such is the way of the world. So if you did it again, um, you think there'd be more profit in it for you? You think you'd be a little more careful? You wouldn't make some of the same mistakes? I mean, if I did it again right now, I probably couldn't afford to buy that house. <laughs> but if you could go back in time, if I could go back in time okay. you would be better at it. I mean, I would just be better at the whole contractor interviewing process. And, okay. like, you know, you can't let the contractor get ahead of you on the um, the money. You have to, like, be really careful with it. And I would, I mean, I think I did the best I knew at the time. But now that I've been doing it for a few years, yeah, I would definitely do it a little differently. All right. So I think... I know, and I think Jonathan knows what you mean by getting ahead of you. Can you explain to our listeners? Oh, where they, um, where you end up having given them more money than is left to finish the job. Right. Uh, where they say, you know, I need this much more money to get this stage done, and they haven't hit their marks. Like every, the payment schedules are generally divided up into like five payments or so, depending on what you negotiate, and um, the payments are due upon the completion of a certain aspect of the work yeah like milestones yeah certain milestones yeah so sometimes they'll need more money to get to that milestone in order to get the next payment and you're going to want to give them the money so you can get to the next payment and take it you know take that money out of the next payment and kind of just like forward it to them but it's kind of an unwise move it's a slippery slope because you it's don't want to overpay slope. them and you don't want to give them too much money up front yeah yeah plus you already have a lot invested in that contractor so you're kind of like your back's against the wall and you kind of like do I start over with a new contractor, potentially expose myself to a lawsuit, or do I just keep with my investment in this contractor? And it's also hard once you fire a contractor to get another contractor. No contractor really wants to come over, come into a project halfway through and take mm -hmm. over another guy's work. Mm -hmm. Right, because then if there were mistakes made foundationally or something like that, yeah. it's, it's that contractor sort of takes the blame. Yeah, and they won't know exactly how the other contractor did everything. Let me try to put it... Um, for our listeners in a way that makes sense to me and correct me if I'm wrong, Ariel. Um, as the person paying for the rehab, as the person sort of running the show like you were, you'd like to pay as much at the end of the project as possible. And yeah. as the contractor, you want the opposite. You want to get as much up front as possible. Exactly, yeah. And obviously, uh, it ends up falling somewhere in between, right? You're, like you, you described five draws. That makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. You might say like, when the HVAC system is installed, I'm going to give you a $20,000 or whatever, 20% release of funds, yeah. tie it to specific things. That makes a lot of sense. Um, but I think what you were saying earlier makes a lot of sense too. If you overpay, if, if they end up owing you work instead of you owing them money, they can just not show up for two exactly. weeks and there's nothing you can do. <laughs> yeah. So you'd rather yeah. be the one that owes them rather than them owing you. Yes, exactly. That makes sense. 
So you got into that a little bit too much on the first project, you say? Yeah, well, I also think my contractor became a drug addict halfway through. He was doing a great job, and then he injured himself, and next thing I know, he needs money all the time, and it just really went downhill. Okay, so, <laughs> so can we add that to the list? Do not hire uh, someone addicted to drugs. Yes, okay. yes. I mean, depending on the type. <laughs> I'm just kidding, no, sort of. <laughs> no, don't hire drug addicts. No, how <laughs> How much back did you go in when you hired your first person? Um, you said it started out really well. Did you spend a lot of time checking them out at their background, like see their no. projects? Okay. No, I didn't um, spend. I mean, now when I hire contractors, I check out their references, I check out their projects, I go to like two projects or so and make sure that their finishes are clean, that their paint's right, that their everything is just done the way it's supposed to be done, and like I will get references from past employers um as well but like the first time i hired someone i just hired a buddy okay but so you you <laughs> could have taken it more seriously and since have and it's it's benefited you yeah well it's also hard to like you know separate like a friendship from business and yeah friendships and business don't really go together you try to make them go together but it doesn't in my experience sure. necessarily work and that was a mistake i i also recently made too i hired a contractor to um just lay a simple cement slab in my backyard and just like you said Ariel like I I wasn't friends with the guy but I figured the job was so simple and easy I don't need references I don't need to see his previous work it's just a slab of concrete well it turns out I was wrong and there are differences in slabs of concrete and I, <laughs> I, I, I very much regret not asking for references or pictures of his previous work or going to other projects yeah. Because like we said, there you know, you could be thinking one thing and he could be thinking another thing. Well you'd also be surprised how complicated everything is with like doing something from scratch. Like laying a piece of concrete, the ground has to be flat, it has to be mm -hmm. like there's different types of concrete, there's different, you know, levels of stairs going. It's just like everything like there's literally like I've learned that there's like a hundred more questions than what I think. You know, I went into it thinking everything was just straightforward. Oh, build a house easy. It's not. There's like a thousand different components. <laughs> That's exactly. If I knew what I know now, I would have asked some 10, 15 questions on the spot. How are you going to do this aspect of the mm -hmm. job? How, like, what's that going to look like? What's that going to cost? But of course, I didn't know that going into it. So, I mean, it is kind of trial and error. So now you're like a concrete expert. Yeah, now I'm a concrete expert. <laughs> <laughs> it, takes, it, it takes some failures, I think, to figure it out. And one theme we kind of have here that we talk about a lot is um, you can't do too much research. You can't, you can't like learn too much about something. I mean, you don't want to not start your project for five years because you're researching oh, contractors, yeah. but generally more information is better. So like you described, I think a great method of checking references, checking their work. I mean, if you call any of our professional references or family and friends, we might get a glowing review, but have you sold a house? <laughs> have you done this? You know, like, look at the, I love that advice. It's great. You know, and I just hired a, a GC for a huge project. Uh, I'm building a house right now. And uh, all these guys were telling me, all, you know, oh, I could do this, I could do this, under cost, whatever. But the only, only one of them invited me on site to look at his work that he was doing. Oh, really? And I was impressed. I, I looked at it and it would look great, so I hired the guy. Yeah. Um, in terms of price, how much jockeying and how much negotiating do you do up front? Is it sort of as it goes? I mean, what do you think about that? Um, I kind of always look at a negotiation as sort of like a, like a dance. Yeah. You know, you take too much up front, they're going to get you back with change orders. You know, you are lenient up front, then you don't have to be as agreeable later. So I try to, like, really just balance it. Like, I always beat up on the price a little bit. I just try to – and I always try to make sure it's a fair price. Like, if someone comes in 
substantially lower than the rest of the bids. Like, I'm not going to even pay attention to them because I, oh, ju I just don't think that they understand the scope of the work thoroughly. I don't think, I mean, maybe their um, intentions are nefarious. Maybe they're just trying to get the bid and then take my money and then leave. That's also a possibility. But sometimes I think they just don't understand the scope, perhaps, and they're not experienced enough. So I try to go with the middle range of numbers. I usually kick out the top, top I usually kick out the highest bid as well. And then just kind of um, debate between the middle numbers once I have like references that put them all on equal standing. Yeah, it's really interesting. So with a lot of other things, especially in real estate, we want to get the best deal. We want to pay the least as least we can. I mean, if I'm looking at five properties that are all pretty damn similar and one of them is the cheapest, that's going to be the one I'm going to probably move on as an investment anyway. Uh, but in this case, it sounds like that might not be the way to go. If somebody's underpricing themselves, I think you, you said it pretty eloquently, like either they're looking to beat you later or they're not honest or something, or, or they're looking, or they're, maybe they're worth it. Maybe that's what they're actually worth. I mean, yeah, you're hiring, maybe like, that's what their work looks yeah, like. Which is not, which <laughs> I, is not good. I made that mistake on my first project, so it's yeah. not a, it's not a lesson I learned easily. So you tried to save money, you hired somebody and then you thought this, this is not good. This yeah. Is not well, and I also hired a friend and I thought it would be okay. And it yeah. just was, the work wasn't good and some of it was okay, but overall it was so, so that project, if you don't mind getting a little more detail there, that project fell apart. He, he sort of walked off the job. You fired him. What did that look like? How did that sever of relationship look like? It was um, like, like you, do you it, want like a play-by-play well, play play or what no, do you No, 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 but, but I mean like, did, did you have to, did you have to like, did you have you, to fire him? Did you have to hire yeah. someone new or how did it, how did it get complete? Yeah, I fired him. Yeah. Well, I ended up uh, subcontracting out for the like rest the rest, and I did a lot of the work myself. Me and my mom were there every night till like midnight, one in the morning, just doing trim, doing call, just <laughs> finishing up like the little stuff. Because at that point, I really couldn't afford to hire someone to do the stuff that I was capable of doing. You right. know, so I hired a maintenance man basically to come in and finish up the rest of it. But everything that I was capable of doing or could learn how to do, such as trim work, molding, that type of stuff, right. me and my mom. That's great. Spent many, many hours just. So luckily, you were it. at the tail end of the project anyway, where you were able to say, "All right, see a guy." I mean, I wouldn't say the tail end, but yeah. Yeah, but okay. Like, <laughs> made, made, like electrical was in and stuff like that. Yeah, the major okay. mechanicals were in. I did have to end up having to go back over some of his work, like the HVAC system needed to be redone. So I was able to subcontract that out yeah. and like that type of stuff. And yeah. I think it's like really important to like, especially for my, I think overall, this is just a good rule of thumb. Like I always try to make sure my product is good. Like I'm not, I mean, I'm a woman in this industry and I'm young and I'm not going to in any way sell a mediocre product. Cause I feel like that would severely tarnish me and it just wouldn't be fair to the people buying. It's just bad, yeah. bad business yeah, yeah. all around so everything anything that is within my knowledge that I know is wrong and I, I know some things aren't even going to get picked up in home inspections but I'm still going to go back and I'm going to make sure it's right I'm going to make sure this house can be a home for someone for many years to come and it's not just you know they're there for a year and everything starts to go to poop yeah <laughs> thanks for keeping it family friendly um, <laughs> Okay, so your second your second project I was lucky enough to see as well. Yeah. Um, and it was beautiful. It, it was at the same, I would say, similar quality to the first one. The first one you went crazy. I thought it was absolutely stunning. Roof yeah. deck and a bigger property. It seemed like a bigger project than your second yeah. one. Although your second one, 
you had you had some exterior stuff you did. I know you did. You messed with that window, right? You had a big bay window there with like some opening under it. What did you do? You put wood there, or what? I just redid the window. I stuccoed the exterior. Okay, I had to get cement. Mm, yeah, yeah, it went it went pretty well. But. Now, <laughs> now the second Sorry. one, the second one, you hired uh, one contractor to do the whole thing, or did you have to go through multiple? People? I actually ended up having to fire him too. But ah. this one, I did do it right. Sometimes it's just the luck of the job. But um, yeah. <laughs> I hired one contractor to do it, and he just kind of stopped showing up to work, and he basically just, I don't know. Um, was a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> but I ended up firing him and hire, I, I hired my own subs this time for the major electrical or for the mechanical stuff. So I hired mm. my own HVAC, I hired my own electric, brought in my own plumber eventually because his plumber was bad as well. And um, so sometimes what you'll find in the business is that contractors will take your job and then they will try to string it out as long as possible so that they know they have a guaranteed paycheck coming in. And then they go and pick up other jobs and take those paychecks. And then they have more jobs. So I think that's kind of the pattern I got stuck in with this guy. And he did have references. And his work was pretty good. I did go look at it. But um, sometimes it's not going to work out in your favor either way. Yeah. yeah, so one thing I noticed about you as well with these projects is you're pretty hands-on. Like, you're there. You, mm -hmm. don't, you don't sort of do these projects, hire somebody, and then don't show up for six months. Yeah, no, I don't do that. I, no. <laughs> and, but you, you recommend that. You think that's the way to do it. To be there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think um, you do need, I mean, if you're paying someone to do something, sure. you want to make sure it's done. Um, yeah, I would recommend always being there, always checking the work, and checking it, like, very carefully just for, like, how it looks like finished work. Like, how, you know, make sure that the, like, the door molding is out from the frame and make sure that the tiles are evenly spaced and make sure nothing's, like, just be very attentive to detail when you're checking it, and don't be afraid to not pay someone for bad work. That's what happened with my last job, is he just did really mediocre work and took a really long time, and I ended up firing him um, and subbing out the rest as well. But him, I didn't get as behind. Him wasn't as bad. I was able to... You were able to fire him before it was kind of too late type of thing. Before yeah, Before you exactly. let it go too long, yeah. So I mean, both jobs I got out of pretty good, but, um... Yeah, so just basically don't be afraid to approach the contractor and, you know... Say you're sev fired. Yeah, <laughs> say you're fired. Sever ties. Well, no, I mean, I wouldn't say that. I would say don't wait too long. Like, you know, ev everyone's human. Everyone's going to make mistakes. And I'm in no way an expert on this, but I would say don't get in... Like, when... As soon as... Like, sometimes it's, it's good to just take a step back and just look at the whole project. And, uh, you know, everything's on a deadline, and I know that's tough to, like, take a step back, tell people not to show up for work, but sometimes it's very helpful to just take a step back, look at everything, and try kind of, like, recalculate your moves and what would be the most advantageous. And additionally, a lot of times contracts are written so you can't fire your contractor and be scot-free. So make sure you're reviewing your contract for termination terms. Like, for this last guy, I needed to wait a month. I needed to give him notice of termination. This is just to try to help myself not get sued. I gave him um, notice of termination unless he did the job the right way a month prior to actually terminating him. So that way, if it ever ends up going to court and says I owe him money, then I can say, no, I gave him a month to correct these problems. And the court doesn't want you clogging up their system. They want you out. They want you to try to resolve stuff on your own. So the fact that I tried to resolve it, and I, I wasted a whole month. Sure. Trying yeah, to make sure that I was protected on the back end. Which is very costly for you. I mean, you're holding costs. Nothing's yeah. really happening. Yeah. I mean, that It was stinks, painful. But... It was really painful. But right. 
it would have been worse to allow him to continue to screw up my house. Right. So. <laughs> so what? So when you said, I'm giving you a month to make this right, did he just still not care and didn't come back? Yeah, he just didn't care, didn't come back. I documented really? every day. Every day I wrote him an email and I said, um, you know, today's date, you weren't here. Or if someone was here, they were sleeping in the backyard or <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. You know, not doing work. Just yeah. made sure that it was very much um, documented. Yeah, it, it sounds, I, I feel like we're talking a lot about the challenges, but these are the things I think, if you're getting into this, you need to The accept. whole thing's really challenging. That's yeah. what drives me crazy is that people but watch these a... home flipping shows, which uh, I'm on one of them. But it's very... And so are you. Yeah, Steve barely. came on my yeah. show for... She what, Did you see that? Did we were uh, showing what, what was that on? I was like... DIY. DIY. Yeah. DIY network. network. I yeah. Gotta, I got to watch it. Yeah. yeah. It's gotta, hilarious. You got to put that in the show notes so everyone can see. I don't want <laughs> to say it's staged, but it, it... I mean, I will say this. It's her. It was her second project on there. And, you know, I think... Were any of your contractors on there? I don't. I no, forget. no, they it didn't. It's the, the whole right. Pre, I don't, the whole premise of the show was you're rehabbing it yourself, which oh, you're right, absolutely right. not. Right. So like. <laughs> and they sort of edited it to make it seem like you are. And yeah. I remember I had to say like some of the same lines like twenty times and like walk through the same thing. And then they were like, uh, "Okay, that's perfect. We're going to use that." And then they didn't use anything. I was on there for like a second. <laughs> but, but it was really. But cool. you did great. You were the They're best like, cameo besides yeah. my mom. Yeah, your mom was great too. They were like, oh, I forget, this guy's too ugly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. That's, no, they did. They, the producer told me that. Um, <laughs> no, a face for radio, they say. Yeah. Um, no, but I think, uh, I think you're absolutely right, and I've dealt with that too. So I'm, I'm doing uh, my project now that is going to be a home that I'm going to live in mm -hmm. um, with my fiance, and she loves those shows, and she's like, this is taking way too long. This is costing way too much. And I'm like, <laughs> I need to give her your number, Ariel, and say, talk to somebody who's actually done this. You're, you're going to be behind, even like in the best of times, you're going to be behind schedule probably. Yep. You're going to be over budget. Like, unless you really have crazy expectations and you say like this is going to take me six months or eight months like unless you really build in a lot of time and you build in a lot of like a bigger budget than you think you need there's a good chance of running over on both i mean i think yeah. you've you've been pretty quick on your project so your first one took how long do you remember um i haven't been too quick on my projects <laughs> i think my first one took probably like six months yeah that's not bad I, not I mean, bad like, for the first one yeah for like a total rehab I mean, that, that place had nothing you could keep really yeah and this project also took about six months not including the month of not working, but I, think, <laughs> but I, but I think six months it, for for a rehab is pretty good. I don't think it's bad. I, I, it might it's be. It's not bad. what I wanted, but like, yeah. What, what would you in an ideal world like realistically? What's three realistically? Months? You want like three to four months. You want to okay. be there by the spring market. Got it. Um, so you, you know, start you buy winter, winter. You start in the winter and you finish in the spring. Yeah, and put yeah. It on and it all depends on the the type of rehab you're doing. You know, is it a shell? Is it just cosmetic? Like yours, yeah. yours were like pretty hefty. Yeah, you were moving walls, you were putting in new bathrooms. So yeah. These were like pretty bigger projects. Well, they were like 100% rehabbed. Yeah. But yeah. now that I know a little more, I, I think it would... You could speed it up. I think, it, yeah, yeah, now that I've been able to do it, I would just be able to speed it up. The thing that I would say to listeners is if you have... What Ariel did both times, my understanding is that you just bought an empty house or a place that's run down and you put you immediately were able to get started I and mean, you needed permits, obviously. Yeah. But you didn't need any kind of crazy variance or anything from the city, right? No. So I'm the project I'm doing. I need a variance, and I thought that process would be like a month. It's going up on three months. Anytime you need permission from cities or ordinances and things like that, your project's going to get way slowed down. Yeah. So, a lot of the things you're talking about and the challenges you went through are things that you can address and improve on and work with, you know, better contractors, or you could sort of hold your contractors accountable. When you have a city or like something else involved, 
you're stuck. Like, oh. there's nothing you can do. Not a city when you have Philadelphia. Yeah. That's <laughs> it's not like every that's, city. It's Philadelphia. <laughs> but I would bet, like, They have, like, one person running every department yeah. there. Except and anyone, and she's furious. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> she's not having a good day. Again. <laughs> every day. Yeah. They hire one person. Do everything. Yeah. Anyone from uh, L&I is listening. We're talking about you. We're sorry. Yeah. We're yeah. sorry so, that you're so understaffed. If, if we pay, don't blame you. If my paperwork's still in the system, then I'm so sorry and you have the hardest job in the world. If it's on the system, <laughs> do better, please. Um, okay, so this is good. I, I think – so you go into these projects with, with a lot of like direction as to where you want to go. The quality – when you go into these things, you have a sense of what quality you want to do, like yeah. what level of project you want to do. Well, you always have to look at like what the um, after repair value is going to be. If like the first property that I did was a higher value than the second property did, I also paid more for it. So sure. you also have to look at like the neighborhood, bigger. what the maximum sale price is going to be, and adjust your quality accordingly as far as materials go. Yeah, one one thing you did on the second pro- or the first property that I really liked is you did a roof deck, like a small like out the back, like not a crazy with a pilot house like no. way up on the roof. Which is what you see people doing, but those cost a fortune, I imagine. Yeah. Versus you just did some wood, and I think was it wood or was yeah, it? Yeah, it was like um, pressure treated wood. Like decking, and, yeah. and it was pretty small, but you had a good view, and you were able to build it as a roof deck, which was great. And mm-hmm. it was a roof deck, but I see some people going crazy and spending like thirty thousand dollars on these crazy structures, where you did a pretty modest one, but I think it really helped your value. It did, yeah. yeah. I don't think it needs to be crazy fancy. No, I agree. That's with just you. my personal opinion. No, I, I totally the agree. Of going up there, I think so. a lot of times people are going too nuts with these things and they mm-hmm. need to go crazy. Whereas from an investor, from somebody who's doing what you're doing, you don't necessarily need. You're not necessarily going to get back every dollar you spend. I mean, there's some upgrades that you don't necessarily recover. Like, I, um, I think fireplaces don't really get, that's just my personal right. opinion of right. it, but like, I don't think fireplaces recover any cost. I, I agree. <laughs> I, I have also seen, I saw a project that somebody did, a, a colleague of mine, um, put a hot tub on his roof mm-hmm. and that was cool. And I think he sold the property for a great value, but there's absolutely no way the hot tub had it. Like, I, I just don't see you getting But hot tubs return. are really expensive to maintain as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. And plus, what if it leaks? Oh, it's a nightmare. Sure. Insur- I'm pretty sure insurance companies say you cannot have a hot tub on your roof. In fact, I feel like a hot tub might be more of a deterrent on a roof yeah, than it would be a value. That's a liability. <laughs> Were you going to ask something, John? That I'm sorry, I didn't mean to Yeah, so um, have either, either of you heard of the 70% rule? It's like a rule of thumb. Mayo rule. What rule? The Mayo rule. Is that what it is? Yeah, that's what it's called. It's like um, you need to take the ARV times pi 70%. Minus the rehab cost. Yeah. That's like generally what you'd want to pay for the property. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I guess that builds in um, overages and it sort of makes sure the project is safe. Because I, I th- I've heard the rule of thumb is you want to make 20%, but I guess that's 30%. Well, yeah. You well, that's more, that's just, yeah, more of a cushion. Well, I'll yourself. even yeah. do like 65%. And just because like I know I might, well, I don't know, but just to build figure, in for change yeah. orders, for unforeseen problems, or just, you know. Right, so that so that's a general rule of thumb of what you'd want to pay for the property. Now, obviously, you know, consult your real estate agent and you know, run your comps, make sure your ARV is accurate. Your after repair yeah. value, but yeah, after repair value times you know anywhere from seventy percent. Ariel said she usually uses like sixty five percent, and minus your estimated rehab cost, and that's generally yeah. what you'd want to pay for the property. Okay, so just to 
do a quick example. If if the ARV is a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, that's after repair value. That means properties that are in good shape in your neighborhood go for a hundred thousand. Seventy percent is obviously seventy thousand dollars. Whatever your repairs cost, say you estimate this job will cost you thirty thousand dollars, mm-hmm. you should pay no more than forty thousand dollars for this property in this example. Yep. Yeah. So that's a conservative approach. And that's not like a hard and fast rule. That's just right, like yeah, so run your numbers quick and dirty, yeah. so you don't spend too much time I, like focusing on a property that's out of right. Profit it's a quick, a quick way, yeah, a quick way to analyze properties. I call it the seventy percent rule. What do you call it? The Mayo rule. Mayo rule. If you Google it, it should come up with the formula. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. <laughs> it reminds me, the, reminds me of the Pareto principle, which is like 80-20. Have you ever heard that? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Like 80, 80% of mm-hmm. results come from 20% of your activities. Really? Right. Yeah, yeah. Ah, that must be in those real estate classes, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get no, you. The, the 80-20 rules everywhere. Some of those sales yeah. classes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we got to just make sure we're renewing our licenses on time. That's, yeah. That's something that like they used to hammer in and those big brokerages like, they would like send people in and like yeah well, obviously otherwise you're uh you're not making any money I, what are you gonna true. do that's then true. go practice scripts yeah. <laughs> renew your license and practice memorizing <laughs> these scripts <laughs> um okay so any other general is there anything general that you would like to tell people that are looking to get into this i mean it seems like a major amount of commitment and effort did you underestimate that the first time or did you sort of know what you were getting into i mean i think i underestimated it a little bit but i also just knew I mean, to, it's a tough question. I, I didn't know how much was involved in the whole process, um, but I knew I just really wanted to build houses. I really wanted to create something. Um, any advice that I would give people looking to get into it would be don't. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's, more, that's more properties for us, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. The thing that I think is very impressive is that you did both on your own without any, like, um, partners yeah. or any type of like anyone else like holding your hand type through you mean you just went in balls to the wall and did it which i think is very <laughs> impressive with not without having any mentors or partners yeah is that something you m- might suggest for other people like maybe splitting the profits 50 50 well the way i looked or? at it is like i went on a partner with someone with no experience like what are you bringing to the table right right like, i'm saying like if you partner with maybe more someone more experienced would you suggest that for maybe a first time flipper I don't. Would I suggest that they partner with someone more experienced? Mm. I don't know. I guess it depends on... If they have someone more experienced that they trust that's willing to partner with them, I guess it comes down to how much money they're willing to put up and what type of return they're willing to get screwed out of for the experience. I I, I, I was going to say, I agree with you, Jonathan. I think if anybody has the opportunity to partner with someone who's experienced and has done this and is looking for partners, that's a great thing. Jump at it. That's probably less risky than doing what you did. Mm. However... If you are an experienced rehabber making a lot of money flipping places, are you really looking to split your margins with somebody else? You, you well, probably, yeah. You and if you can do it yourself, like the rule is, if you're able to do it yourself, don't partner. Do it yourself. Yeah, do yeah, it yourself. You right. know, so it really just, just depends. Depends on like the circumstances and who the partner is. I personally didn't partner with anyone because there was no one in that position that I really trusted enough, and yeah. mm-hmm. I thought I could do it myself, and I was right. Also, you know, it's hard, but. <laughs> It's impressive. And I'll say this, uh, you mentioned that you were there very often. I think that's a major key takeaway from what you've said and what I've seen with other people that I've worked with that have done what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a client, older guy who builds tons of homes, multi, multi-millionaire doing this. And I, one day he's, he's like in his eighties. One day I went to the house as it was just being finished up. And like, we were doing a state, I met a stager there to like figure out where we were going to put stuff. Um, 
and he like barged in and he was furious because the guys who like finished the job left dust on the stairs going up to the second floor and he was furious and he was like a ball of fury this like little man that was just like unbridled <laughs> anger and i remember yeah, he's like he's like 80 years old and like five foot two yeah 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 literally five foot two i think yeah. and he's just he's just like shaking in anger and i thought you're crazy like he built this place for probably 300 grand and he was going to make like half a mil in profit like he was going to sell it for like in the eights or nines he did very well and at that point i think a lot of people would be thinking like pop the champagne celebrate no. but he was so focused on like a little detail like dust and i think at first i thought he was like irrational and crazy and then i realized like that attention to detail like you mentioned it too i think that's pretty consistent in winning on this sort of thing if you're really watching every detail of your project mm -hmm. and you're there like this guy does not need to be there. He could hire somebody yeah. to be there. He does not need to show up, but he does because he's so detail oriented and he wants to make sure like this is his baby, this is his project. Mm -hmm. And like he hired a contractor who is like very on the ball. The guy's like really a winner and like didn't mess with him at but all. But he left dirt on the stairs. Exactly, <laughs> and that made him mad. And I was like, what are you doing? And then it makes sense. That was sense making to that me. too. Yeah, that's great. I think that's a really good takeaway. This is not just because you hire a GC does not mean like you get to walk away from the project and it's just going to be like poof done. Right? Yeah, you got to be there. Well, I personally like to show up because I feel like. You know, I think it's important that I actually do work on the property and that I'm there pretty frequently because I feel like as a woman, I'm in more of a position to be taken advantage of. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but that's just how, you know, they see a girl, they're like, you don't really know what you're doing. You don't really know how to work. You can't even lift, like, this piece of wood. And, like, I come in carrying, like, 10 2x4s, mm -hmm. and I'm like, watch this, <laughs> you know? So I feel like it's um, a lot of businesses respect as well, and, like, I feel like there aren't many women out there. Yeah, doing we, work like this and it's easy to not think that this is like a woman's job sure. or that they're capable of it so and you touched on that uh, earlier and we we had a recording snafu so this is our, actually our second attempt at this but we, <laughs> we talked about this before um you have kind of two disadvantages here i think the un, it's unfortunate i wouldn't endorse it but there is there's very few women in the contracting world um and like flipping i don't i don't think there's two i mean there are there are women that do it but it's it's obviously a male dominated thing mm -hmm. and and your age like our age we're not even 30 and i think a lot of times people assume you know you got to be a 50 year old man with a truck to do this kind yeah of thing, right? it's, 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 i mean it does help it really like, yeah. <laughs> i wouldn't it's mind fun. being one of those i feel like it would make it a lot easier but <laughs> yeah but I, but your experience speaks for yourself i mean like you sort of you've made it happen anyway i mean a small anecdote, I had a, a guy that I hired to do some demo work, and he was great. He treated me with respect. Oh, yeah. I negotiated. Everything was fine. And you asked me for a reference, or you asked me for a person to help you with some stuff. And I referenced this guy. I said, this guy's good. I, I had a good experience. And you had a totally different experience. Yeah. You said he hit on you. Like, it was Like, weird. immediately. <laughs> yeah. And then as soon as I told him I didn't like something, he was like, don't interrupt me. Shut up. I was like, you didn't do your job. I'm not paying you. I don't know what to say. Which sucks. And then they just get really mad, and they try to intimidate you into paying. And you just like... And, and I the, don't think that would happen with man. Obviously, I'm not a man, so I don't know. Well, I, I do know because <laughs> I, I hired this guy, and it was fine. I had no I had a little bit of jockey, like a little bit of like, oh, you this is $1,700. And, and I said, we agreed on 1500 He said, yeah, but it took me an extra two hours. I said, I, I'm not paying by, by the hour. I'm paying for the job. <laughs> and he didn't like it, but he got over it, and I had a different experience. So I would have said – I recommended this guy, endorsed him. If I had any whiff of like sexism or like being treated that way, I never would have – said he's good yeah but we just had totally different experiences for pretty much the same level of job 
the the revenge I could tell you kind of got on him though is that he was bidding on the whole job, and the work he did initially was good enough where I was considering him seriously. But once you told me that story, I thought, no way, this is yeah, talking about for your house now. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, this guy, this guy, he was. He so seemed, basically, that mistake he made with Ariel cost him an entire probably, job with you. Probably four hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, yeah. Which is crazy. <laughs> Thanks, but, Steve. But I, well, I has just, my back. <laughs> I just don't get it. Well, again, I I don't get it. I think um, I think sometimes people get caught up in like old ways, old ways of thinking. And like, in reality, it's about money. Like if you're paying people and you're consistent and you do your job, which you have been and you've proven the rest, who cares? I mean, it's all about making money. That's how it should be for these guys. I mean, and I think for a lot of them it is, but for a lot of them it's not. I think it's also hard for like a grown man to take directions from like a young woman Mm -hmm. in some degree, like especially like different cultures, different people, it's going to be more difficult for them. And like, as a woman, I've actually like looked into it, like the different ways you're supposed to like talk to people. So they're not going to get offended, the different ways you're supposed to critique things. Like it's definitely more of like a delicate issue. Cause men have very uh, fragile egos. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I can verify that. Um, yeah. And, and it's a shame that we even have to broach this you know like this shouldn't be like the fact that you've like looked up how to psychologically like deal with people versus like (laughs) i've never even thought of it like i'm like there's clearly something that i'm not doing and i'll like you know i'll watch you work i'll watch other people work and i'll just interact the same way it just doesn't work yeah the same way and that's just the way it is but i but i feel like is that at all a source of motivation for you like you mentioned at first people were saying to you like you can't do this was that like something where you're like yes i can yeah it is i mean that's like the silver lining right a little bit. I like to do what people tell me not to. It's been yeah. that way since a child. Um, That's good. <laughs> now it's just um, morphed into something a little more productive That's than it good. ever was That's before. Good. That's right. That's the way to do it. Make it a make it a productive thing, a motivator. Yeah, instead. exactly. Instead before it was like, no, you can't climb places. that tree, and right, I right. feel like yes, I can, and then break my leg. But um, <laughs> now it's like I can do that, and I, I do it. You know, and it is. I feel like. You know, I have to work harder, I have to be smarter, and I have to be more careful, but those are all things I'm willing to do, and, you know, and I don't mean to paint everyone with a broad brush either. Like, I have really great guys that work for me now that have never made me feel any sort of way talking to them any sort of way, but there are different, you know, especially when interviewing new guys, like, different tones you're supposed to use, and, like, I think, so, like, there's a study, like, men do it naturally where when they're giving someone, like, directions like they don't raise their voice but women naturally like raise their voice so it sounds like a question and it's just the way like we're conditioned even from like childhood i've clearly looked into this a lot (laughs) it's interesting i never even heard of that yeah it's like just different conditioning from men to women that's not even necessarily even like a man's conditioning not to listen to a woman it might be the woman's conditioning on how to give directions right and that type of stuff so it's just stuff that like i am very cognizant of and do try to look into yeah like little things that probably add up to a different experience yeah interesting well listen i've i've seen you do it twice and you've done it successfully i i'd love to do one with you we can we can talk details but you've done it yeah it's it's great i mean both places these are not like one of the reasons I was excited to have you on is these are not like minor, like, oh, I'm going to fix the bathroom or do the kitchen. Like, you, these places were like oh, yeah. really bad. These places are both shells. Yeah. Well, one of them was gutted and then shelled. The other one you had to gut. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, what, um, yeah, so what are your plans for the future? Are you looking to do bigger scale, just more? Well, I, I've, I've been accumulating a rental portfolio simultaneously as I've been doing these flips. So I want to keep doing that and do like a flip a year is kind of like my goal. Do your rentals, have you flipped them or do you buy them ready to go? 
Um, I buy them that need a little work. Okay. I buy, like, you know, the rentals I'll do will need, like, you know, $5,000. It'll make them worth, like, $20,000 So much smaller scale than your flips. Yeah. They call it, like, lipstick on a pig. You know, just give it a paint job and... Make it look nice. I mean, obviously, the mechanicals work. Like, I make sure it's safe. But, like, I don't do anything crazy. I don't, like, remodel bathrooms or move walls and stuff like that. Just regular... Yeah, basic to make it attractive for a tenant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's all, it's all it really is needed for. So. Yeah, I really like buying places with carpet and then doing, like, laminate flooring. And they yeah. have, like, pretty nice laminate flooring. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty cheap, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's a really easy way to just, like, improve value in the property and make it more attractive. My, li- my living room is laminate floor, and I hate it for that reason. I grew up with real hardwood. I guess privileged, I don't know. But <laughs> everyone's like, oh, this floor is awesome. I love this floor. And I'm like, that's great. So like you said too, it's just a, well. It's a good also way like to a like... difference between buying and renting. Like if I'm yeah, like yeah. selling a property, it's going to be hardwood. But if yeah, I'm renting yeah, out yeah. the property, it's going to be laminate because mm-hmm. I don't want them to scrape the wood. Right. Yeah. And if you if you drop like a hot pan on, I thought you were gonna say hot dog. <laughs> if you drop a hot dog, what? if you drop a hot pan <laughs> on wood and it burns through, that's a nightmare to repair. That's like a huge yeah. repair. That's costing yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of money. Laminate, laminate, that with tenants, laminate yeah. you know, you replace laminate. It's not that expensive. It's easy, right, yeah. yeah. Um, there was an expression that I, I wanted to say this earlier, but I didn't get a chance. We got off track, but, um, you make all of your money when you buy a property. Have you heard that before? Do you have any reaction to that? Do you agree mm-hmm. with it? What? I've never so heard like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You make money when you buy. Yeah, so like your you margins, sell, yeah. your margins should be baked into when you buy. So like, in other words, if you buy a place and you need to spend a ton of money to make it worth something, you should almost buy places that even if you did no work and you waited a few months, you could sell it for a profit. If you if you can be in that mindset, it's oh yeah, definitely buy okay. under value. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. and that's make- what I did with both the properties and my rental properties as well. I tried to buy under market value, so yeah. that way in appreciating neighborhoods. Um, yeah. You know, I have one rental property in Brewery Town, which is doing great. I sure. paid very little for it. I'm very excited about it. <laughs> but then I also have other properties that are rentals that. You know, maybe I shouldn't have bought because they are in drug neighborhoods. (laughs) (laughs) As somebody who owns properties both in drug neighborhoods and non-drug neighborhoods, they both can be good. I mean, they both can be good as long as you know what you're getting into. Yeah, and it helps when you like the tenants too. Yeah, you know, I try to like all my tenants. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with buying lower, um, like sort of lower grade properties in in like lower areas, like worse areas. But I think you need to be comfortable going. That's my rule of thumb. Yeah. If you're not willing to go to the property, you've you've invested too, yeah, too some, far. Well, I'm willing to go anywhere, but I'm don't go saying. to don't go to bad neighborhoods at night, obviously. Right, right. <laughs> like, there's ways to be smart. There's ways that I mean I'll go any to any of my properties and I have a property in one of the worst neighborhoods in Philadelphia and I just did work on it today. But I'm not gonna go at like eight PM tonight and go do the same work that I was doing right. today. That makes sense. Yeah, I, um, I had knew a guy who told me that, and that's how he started. He started through low-income properties, and um, a lot of people say stay away from those, but so I asked him, he said, as long as you feel comfortable managing it, it's, yeah. how, it's how you manage it. I mean, if you can keep your vacancy low, get good tenants exactly. in there who aren't going to trash the place, I mean, yeah, it could be it can be very lucrative. Yeah. And I find with, like, low-income properties, um, it's important to just provide, like, a good quality you know as with everything you know but like so often like people who do low-income housing are just like oh i'll just do this terrible fix and do you know it's important to just do things the right way and provide like a livable home yeah still provide the quality that's where you run into like slumlord yeah like you don't is slumlord and low-income housing are not synonymous and i feel like 
too often they've become synonymous with each other yeah. because mm-hmm. of how people conduct themselves, how landlords conduct themselves, and I think it's kind of reprehensible, which is part of why I got into low-income housing. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I completely agree with that. It's a two-way street. I think a lot of times uh, people on the investment side, people like us, think, oh, these tenants are going to be so bad, they're low-income, they're this or that. And then you say, wait a second, there have been landlords that don't take care of their stuff and treated these people Yeah, and it's not necessarily the people. Yeah, it's a yeah. two-way, it could be a two-way street. And if you're a tenant in a low-income area and your landlords have just not taken care of their property, what's your incentive to take care of the property? None. Yeah. Why, so would, you, yeah. <laughs> why I, would you even call for a leak? It's like, right. what's the matter? Right. <laughs> or like it takes the landlord two weeks to take care of a leak. Well, maybe it takes you two weeks to get your rent in. You know, it's like... Mm-hmm. It's, exactly, it's it doesn't matter. Street. I mean, and the two don't always like work together. I think it's just you know, integrity in this business is important in yeah. general. So yeah. on the flip side, um, you know, uh, a roof on a $30,000 property costs the same as a roof on a $300,000 property. Well, not quite. Depending um, not on the quite. size of the roof. Yeah, yeah obviously but... it depends on okay, the size. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I'm sorry. But getting what I'm saying too is like, you might end up pouring in lots of money into low income housing, potentially depends on the house, where it might not be hold that value. Whereas if it's a, a nicer property in a nicer neighborhood, at least it would hold the value. Yeah. Or is that just to look at too, you know, flip side of the coin? Yeah, absolutely. It has to be worth the value. and Right. It's true. But you need a roof regardless. <laughs> Roofs are important. Roofs <laughs> are Yeah, don't, yeah. don't skimp on the roof. Um, all right, I think unless there's anything general you want to leave our listeners with or if, uh, I mean. Um, I, I would just say about. if you wanted to get into this business be willing to work really hard you know be willing i go to school at night i work during the day and every night after school i come to my property and i i do things you know i make yeah. sure be willing to just work really hard for for it and monitor and you know trust your gut with whatever you're doing like if someone's giving you a bad impression or if you don't like the way things are going like take a step back mm-hmm. trust your gut and just take a minute and reevaluate you know there's nothing wrong with that you can generally like know when someone's trying to get over on you and just under you know just listen to what you you know right yeah right. yeah that's, that's great advice well uh thanks so much for joining us ariel and thank you for having me hopefully yep. we can have you on soon i think another topic we can touch on next time is section eight i think you have some section eight places yes um so we'd love to talk about that but um this has been a pretty entertaining and informative conversation about yeah. rehabbing okay thanks for coming on thank you Thanks for listening. Don't forget to visit our website at drgphilly.com. Leave a review on iTunes and subscribe. Note that this podcast should not be taken as financial or legal advice. Always consult your local professional before making any financial decisions.